Come and dream with me. Hello, welcome to What You Want to Watch, the Explosion of Rags Premier Media Podcast. Every week we get together to talk about movies, TV, and online content and help you answer the question, will we actually see Avatar 3? I don't know. I feel like it's, it's just going to be pushed forever. I'm your host, Ashley. I'll be joining me today, Dylan Blight. In a, in a different world, I would say no, but considering I didn't think I would ever see two. That's a fair point. Yes, because for those who don't know, Avatar 3 shifted to December 19th, 2025. Avatar 4, December 21st, 2029. Avatar 5, December 19th, 2031. Bonkers. Well, they say the series will the the fifth movie will come out twenty two years after the first one. So that's assuming it all currently stays on schedule, which I don't think it will. But we'll see. <laughs> all right. Uh, on today's episode of What Do You Want to Watch, we'll be discussing watching our watch history, talking about some film news, giving this week's top three, and giving some thumbs to trailers. I'll kick things off. I saw the big movie of the week, The Flash, of course, the latest film in the DCEU, arguably the final film in the DCEU, uh, directed by uh, Andreas Machete, um, starring Ezra Miller, uh, Michael Keaton, Sasha Kale, which The Flash does the classic Flash thing and changes time and shit goes wrong. Um it's fine in my opinion. <laughs> it's, a, it's like yeah <laughs> it's been tough it's like it's i've been super busy this week so i haven't really had a chance to like write a review so it's kind of been going over in my head it's just kind of uninspiring and uninspired is what is the headline that keeps popping up in my head um this obviously this movie has been in development hell for like since it was announced like it was meant to be out like 10 years ago. Um, in that time, multiverses have become a massive thing. A Flash TV show was run for nine seasons. Um, yet nothing in this movie is as cool as any of the Quicksilver stuff that happens in the X-Men movies, which is kind of disappointing when you've got a super-powered, super-fast character. Um, you're doing the Flashpoint storyline, which has been covered in the TV show, they did an animated movie, uh, and of course, on top of the comic books. Uh, and I would argue this is probably the weakest adaptation of that storyline. Um, and yeah, it's, it's just, uh, you know, that's on top of, of course, the star being, you know, an accused criminal, <laughs> which makes it kind of difficult to, to endear him to you. And even that, he's not like the most... Uh, this version of Flash is not the most heroic or inspiring character, you know? He was always the fun, dopey sidekick, I guess. Um, yeah. Like, CGI-wise, I think it looks pretty good. There is some choices that they make um, stylistically that have clearly irked a lot of people. <laughs> um... Like they go into this like uh, time, time chrome. I think time sphere. 
uh, in which he's able to like run in reverse time. And like around him is like massive, like CGI versions of all the characters and the events that have happened. Um, and it's very clearly CGI, which I think is like a stylistic choice, but I feel like it, they didn't go hard enough on it being a stylistic choice that it, it kind of sits in that, uh, what's it called? The, the Valley. I can't remember what the term is, you know, um, uncanny Valley, uncanny Valley where, yeah, it's not, you could tell it's not quite right and you don't know why it's not quite right. And you hate it because it's not quite right. I feel like there's a lot of that, um, Yeah, and obviously there's, like, a few cameos, you know, of course Ben Affleck's in this movie for a short period, even though it definitely does not look like he's in the suit. It definitely, like, the 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 body shape of the person and the face shape of the person in the suit does look like it's Ben Affleck, but, um, and there's some other cameos that have clearly irked people, um, towards yeah, the looked, end. I, I looked these all up. Oof. <laughs> I mean... Again, if they had have done been super stylized, I feel like that could have worked. Um, but I feel like, yeah, we're definitely in a position where those sort of cameos are like definitely hit or miss, and definitely a lot of people. There are definitely people who are like super popped for those, but then there's a lot of people like that. If it just feels kind of icky, um, yeah, it's just. I feel like Michael Keaton's really good. Is really enjoyable, but he's like barely in it. Uh, Sasha Kale and Kirstie Clemens are really great, but they're just basic female characters who are there. Like Kirstie Clemens, like she's been attached to this film for like 10 years, and she is like the most stereotypical uh, female love interest in any kind of movie, <clears throat> let alone a superhero movie. So that's super disappointing. Um, I mean, there are a couple of nice emotional moments and that kind of stuff, but I feel like, yeah. When when James Gunn and everybody came out and said, oh, this movie is the best superhero movie of all time. This guy, you're building it up super high and there's not even close. It's not even the best superhero movie that came out this year. Um, not even close. Um, it is just kind of middling you know um and that might just be because i've heard seen this story several times or we've seen like lots of different multiverse stories uh i mean it's just the classic you end up in an ultimate universe version of yourself you know how many times have we seen that story told in any sort of media um yeah i'm kind of glad that this is the end <laughs> is it though I hope there's, I mean, based on the box office, I doubt there's no way that they can continue this version of the flash. Um, yeah. It's I been, mean, I, like, lo I looked up the ending and like, without having watched the movie, see, I, I, I was like, I think that's them like sticking this version of the flash in a different, like to clearly say that this version of flash isn't in the need where we're going to be going sort of. You know? No, I definitely don't think this Flash of the Flash is going to come back. Based on everything out of the movie. Like, in the movie, you could definitely, potentially, but it would be super weird, given the context of the world he kind of makes. Um, 
Yeah. Is it, it? Yeah, it, it's definitely weird. I think you know, for people who love 1989 Batman, it's cool seeing Martin Keaton back. It's cool seeing him in the suit doing actually shit. Yeah, I saw it all in the trailer. Definitely. Um, they also don't do a very good job of explaining the Flash's powers. Like, there's a scene at the start where he's like rescuing, like trying to a hospital is breaking down, and you're like, why aren't you just grabbing these people and taking them out? He's not mapping the babies in the microwave. Yeah. Uh, <laughs> I mean, that's the only, like, cool slow motion sequence in the entire movie. Man, uh, everything from this movie's on Twitter. I, I fucking, I don't need to go watch it. I've I mean, seen the movie. <laughs> I mean, that is, like, you want to talk about box office issues. That, like, might be, might be number one. Like, this is movie's been, online? everything is online. Um, I was going to bring this up as a separate topic. The amount of clips of stuff that I see on Twitter now that aren't deleted ever since Elon Musk took over and Twitter is more of a, like a wild, wild west. Fucking movie studio is going to be hating Twitter. <laughs> like, I swear this shit doesn't get copyright striked anymore. Well, I, I think there's like a bunch of like, I know a bunch of music studios are suing Twitter, so I wouldn't be surprised if the studios uh, follow suit. But yeah, um, it, it is not clearly explained why he isn't moving people, like carrying them in super speed. Uh, until later when you know you move somebody and they throw up it's like oh okay this is something that i feel like you could have explained earlier um so yeah the flash you know cool it it's a movie <laughs> um yeah i think yeah we'll probably get into uh, i've got to talk about the box office later so We'll get into it there, but uh, yeah, that that was a thing. Uh, I also watched two different versions of uh, the uh, Hillsong controversy. Uh, so I watched The Kingdom. So that's the SBS uh, Mark Fennell documentary, uh, kind of going into uh, the growth, the rise and fall of Hillsong. So of course, Hillsong, uh, I think, I didn't realize Hillsong was Australian. For a long did, time. Did you not? No, because it's huge. So I assume it wasn't. Yeah. No, yeah, yeah. I'm like, oh, this is a massive American thing. It must be. Not based in uh, in New South Wales, Hills District. Um, grew from there, came massive. Music became a big thing. Took over the world. Uh, Brian Houston is the big pastor. Uh, started to build a mega, massive mega church. Uh, and then uh, turns out his dad, pedophile. His dad told him, told Brian he was a pedophile. He didn't tell the police or anybody. He's like, eh, we'll just ship you off to the, you know, Central Coast. You can go there. Don't preach anymore. Uh, you know, it'll be fine. He's not going to do anything. He's an old man. You know, what of all, what is an old man going to do a bunch of, around a bunch of children? Am I right? Um, and then it turns out, you know, Brian Houston has his own bunch of other issues as well. Uh, and then subsequently, you know, gets removed from Hillsong. Um, the kingdom definitely like delves into, uh, it takes a very serious approach, uh, to the subject matter, uh, kind of delving into people's connection to religion. Um, especially Mark Fennell himself, he, he was in Hillsong for like 15 something years. Um, and it, it's very interesting. His take, which I feel like I wish they had have explored. I wish he either had have been less personal or had been more personal. 
um, about why Hillsong meant so much to him and that kind of stuff. I feel like it only scratches the surface and that that's my issue. Um, it's really interesting because he is also framed with talking, he talks to a bunch of different churches similar to Hillsong that will potentially be filling the void because a lot of people have been leaving the church in the wake of all these controversies and that kind of stuff. So, um, yeah, I would recommend checking that out on SBS. Also watched the Batuta Advocate, I think it's called. They've got a new series on Paramount Plus called the Batuta Advocate, or Advertiser. Is it Advocate or Advertiser? No, it's Batuta Advocate Presents. So they've got a new series. First episode is about Hillsong. What a coincidence. So they take a little bit more of a comedic point of view, unsurprisingly, uh, given uh, their newspaper, um, and kind of like going to the history of Brian Houston, um, taking, like, having little animated segments and like kind of uh, delving into little pieces. It feels like a kind of like it's like if a current affair show did a John Oliver piece, I guess would be, you know, but with like some animated. Yeah. I enjoyed it. I'm looking forward to seeing more episodes. I don't I think I read somewhere. There's going to be like a few more like delving into Cronulla and uh, the super league war and other stuff like that. So I'm looking forward to checking that. Out. So that's on Paramount plus. Uh, so yeah, that's two <laughs> versions of the Hillstone story. Uh, that I watched this week. Uh, Dylan, you watched a documentary on uh, Netflix called The Pez Outlaw. I think uh, we, did a, we did... This was on the trailers at one point. I, I definitely like remember watching this. Yeah. yeah. So... Coming to the guy's name. Anyway, the, so this is about a dude who... Um, and, I mean, the guy looks like a... He looks like a homeless person, to be honest. Like, that's... The, yep. And they, they make that part of the... That's part of the... What's discussed also in the, the the doco, so I don't feel like that's bad to say. But my my dude looks like a homeless person, and what he, you know, he he's a he's a he's a schemer. He's a he's a bit of a he he's thinking wild ideas. He's all these things and whatever else. And um, he was like selling toys or whatever at a toy fair one day and stuff like that. He um he was like playing the thing where he would like send in cereal cereal boxes cutouts in america and he uh, would get all the like toys from them and they would sell them for more like you, you know schema dealer and he's like selling them one day and then someone like introduces pairs as pairs or whatever and he goes oh fuck those things are cool and then so he's about that they're you know they're made in um i don't know what country they are now like fucking berlin or wherever um he's like that's great I know what I'll do. How about me and my son just get on a plane? We'll fly over there. We'll find the warehouse. <laughs> There's no, like, you know, no <laughs> contact, no <laughs> thing. So somehow my dude who looks like a homeless person turns up at this place, manages to talk his way into it. He's Will and Dylan. He comes back across the, the American border with all these unreleased Pez um, toys or whatever candy dispensers i guess is official um he brings them across and collectors go ham he's selling these things you know thousands of dollars per unit you can't get them in america and then the funniest part that for this doco that goes back and forth is because then they have interviews with the people of the pez legal team and of course pez america's head honcho he's like pissed he's like they find out about this dude they're like this motherfucker like he can't be selling those we've got the official rights like we're the 
the, the right hole? How's he, how's he getting these in? Anyway, it turns out that Perez lawyers somewhere along the way when they were signing the paperwork, they never actually like sent across the, pay, the, the, the proper thing that means that anytime my dude's getting stopped at the airport and they're like looking through to see if Perez is like on the list of things that you can't yep. um, illegally bring across the border and they stuff. They didn't contact they did, customs <laughs> to stop Yeah, people. they didn't contact customs. So like apparently they're just like, all right, you're not li-. like, I know that this probably isn't okay, but it's not, it doesn't say it here. So whatever, off you go. Like, <laughs> like it's, it's a, it's a weird like bunch. It's a weird story. But yes, I did, I did find it, uh, quite entertaining uh and he's an interesting character <laughs> uh, and i felt bad for him at then because he does get fucked over at then so mm. um again like yes he was wheeling and dealing but you know he was you know like they they fucked up and you know f- f- he was you know fight the man you know what i mean <laughs> so um yeah I, I think it was it was enjoyable yeah yeah i watched it as well i thought it was quite enjoyable uh crazy story um again kind of delving into like the weird collector world like mm. it's always interesting to like see what people that one lady's like with. what's the most you brought for one he's like she's like oh i paid thirteen thousand dollars just for one <laughs> it's like fucking pez yeah it's, it's like yeah um the one thing is that dude who's got a collection that is hiding everything i'm like yeah what's his story I don't What's know. up with him? But, well, the worst part is he starts a docker. He's like, "You're making a documentary about the wrong person." <laughs> it should it's be like, me. <laughs> it's like, okay, make the documentary about him. Yeah. <laughs> What's his story? Break into that warehouse. <laughs> Crazy, uh, but yeah, Pez Outlaw pl- currently playing on Netflix. Uh, Dylan, you finally watched? She said the. Uh, Harley Kramer film from last year starring Carrie Mulligan and uh, Zoe Kazan. Yeah, I really enjoyed it. Obviously, this is the the um, Harvey Weinstein sort of story behind his the the main. Well, I mean, there was a lot to do with Harvey Weinstein. So I don't want to say it's like the, the mm-hmm. only thing, but in regards to uh, New York Times sort of angle of the the major story and stuff, that was a big part of his his downfall and the investigation into um, Weinstein and, like, the two people that were um, looking into that and, and whatnot. Um, I mean, I when these movies are done work, well, I'll say it a million times, I'll say it again, I, am really, I really get into a good journalistic, you know, sort of, movie when they're they're done right people typing away on their computers and interviewing people and whatever else like um when they're done well they're really really good and i think this this gets up there and obviously it's such a interesting story it feels weird to say interesting because it's so obviously horrible at the same time but um it's such a big sort of cornerstone of our world uh, at least of current um events um if there, there's like part of me that feels a bit weird this sort of happened so fast like he was still when this came out it was still like he was on trial still or whatever else and it, like it seems like it was rushed out but at the same time it's sort of when this is still in the zeitgeist and when you look at the world still now and even with like something like all these people um even with the harvey weinstein thing happening you've still uh, i feel like you know, a year later, we're sort of you're falling backwards, like as a society from from that in some regards too. So maybe having stuff like this come out is necessary to a degree, I, I guess. I really thought both performances were fantastic as well. Um, the whole cast was great. You got a bunch of um, um, I didn't realize um, Andre Brow was in this as well and stuff mm-hmm. like that. So he's um, fantastic. Yeah, really good. So yeah, 
would recommend. All right. Uh, so weirdly on the religious train, <laughs> uh, I watched a documentary called Shiny Happy People, Duggar Family Secrets. So I saw like a couple of articles around that, uh, like the big, the explosive information, explosive claim, new claims coming from this documentary or whatever. So it's based around the Duggar family, um, who are best known. They did a TLC documentary series called 19 and up. No, 19 and something. 19 kids and counting. 19 kids and counting in unsurprisingly, this family has 19 kids um, following them. But the big thing is they're part of this, uh, just call it a fundamentalist Christian cult called the Base Institute for Basic Life Principles. Um, and the documentary kind of delves into that a lot, uh, how it's this weird, strange, like, kind of cult where, you know, it's like any cult. The men are great. Women have to serve. They have to obey. Um, and uh, they're, like, super, like women have to like cover themselves up and not treat themselves with any, um, you know, can't wear, can't show ankles and bullshit like that. You know, uh, you need to be as modest as possible because otherwise you'll cause the men to sin and that kind of stuff. Um, and then of course, uh, behind that is all these, uh, sexual, uh, allegations against the head people in the, in the, the church, I guess. Or organization or whatever all these children are getting homeschooled because that they don't want them uh mind mind washed by the the public schooling system whatever um of course the eldest child in this family gets uh he does some uh he sexually assaults his sisters and that kind of stuff and then that's <laughs> that the, the sisters are asked to like kind of uh make him out to not be so bad uh so they can keep the tv show going because the tv show is like a massive uh, like propaganda thing for the the organization um and like the head of the family the the jim the guys that the father's called jim bob duggar he was like run he ran for like public office or like in the Arkansas Senate, like several times. Um, and it's like the whole IBL thing is like trying to like build generations of people who are like super fundamentalist Christian who will then go into uh, public office and like uh, go into politics and that kind of stuff and enforce those Christian beliefs onto the wider people. Um, so yeah, it's kind of a very you know messed what up. I think, Ash. Yeah. He's Dan LGBT. Push <laughs> 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 their views on us. <laughs> yeah. You know. So, like, yeah, we, we won't fix this in one generation, but we'll keep doing this for several generations and then we'll get our way. It's like, fuck, <laughs> these people are crazy. Um, so yeah, interesting documentary. Obviously, not knowing anything about the TLC show, it's like whatever. Um, even though I'm yeah, pretty I, sure I, I've heard no, of this I know nothing. Dude a yeah, I think I've times, heard his yeah. name. I know nothing about it, but yeah, it sounds like something yeah. I'd 
hate watching this, but I want to watch it now. Yeah. Yeah. So uh, that's on Prime Video. There's uh, like four episodes. So definitely interesting because they also interview like other people who have gotten out of the the cult and it, a lot of their t- experiences separate to the Duggar family are like pretty terrible. Also, they they do have one of the Duggar children like involved in the documentary, so that's kind of key. Like one of the actual girls who was um, she like leave the family or something? Yeah, she kind of like. Not because it was terrible, but because it's like the father like was hoarding all the money from the TV, all the TV show production and that kind of stuff. It's like yeah. they worked for no money for like several years on this reality TV show. It's kind of messed up on that front as well. On top of it being a terrible fundamentalist like religion. Um, they also touch on how weird like he's kind of moved from like TVLC to like TikTok and like YouTube and like those kind of Christian influences are kind of spreading the same side of kind of message, but maybe not necessarily for this this particular movement, but they're kind of repeating the same talking points and that kind of stuff. So uh yeah, very messed up and will get you scared about the future of distrusting of all white people. Um <laughs> <laughs> There's a fun palette cleanser. I watched a documentary series on SBS, uh History of the Sitcom. It's a base it's just you know, each episode they delve into like a different uh, theme of sitcoms. Like one is like explores the history of family sitcoms. One explores the, fit, the history of like workplace sitcoms. Uh, the like the outsider um, delving back all the way to like the origins of television from the like the I Love Lucy era to to they do bring up Ted Lasso at the very very end. So I guess that's like twenty twenty. Um, yeah, interesting. Uh, you know, as someone who loves television and the history of television, I think it was uh, a fun little uh, history lesson um, for me, at least. Uh, kind of touching on a bunch of different shows. Uh, yeah, so I would recommend checking that out. Uh, let's move into the mandatory Netflix segment of the show. Uh, Dylan, you watched the latest season of Black Mirror. I did. Um, it's back uh, with five new episodes, or they call them movies these days, basically. Mm-hmm. Um, fuck, I'm trying to get the full list up so I can name them correctly. So they start with Joan is Awful, uh, which is the one that stars um, fuck, Annie, Murphy. Annie Murphy from Schitt's Creek. Um, and she sits down one night and she goes to turn on I can't remember what they call it on the show, but basically Netflix. And she shows a show that's called Jonah's Awful. And there's a character there that's played by Selma Hayek. And she looks like her. And then she starts watching it. And the episode of the show is literally just the day she had it. <laughs> um, it gets very... This episode gets very meta and weird into, obviously, um, both AI stuff. And then also, I guess, what you, like, agree to with T's and C's and stuff. There's a part in the show <laughs> later where she's talking to someone about, like, how they're allowed to do this. And she's like, well, you, like, agreed to it. And the T's and C's. She's like, no, I didn't. She's like, oh, you know, all that stuff everyone scrolls through when you agreed to, like, the like watch the streaming service. It was in there somewhere. <laughs> you know, like, it's just part of that. And then also Selma Hayek, like, she also asked, like, well, how does Selma Hayek, like, care? Like, how is she filming this stuff? Like, 
Is she, how's she agreeing to do all this? Like, oh, no, it's not even Selma Hayek. Selma Hayek just signed her likeness away, and we just use everything in the show CGI. It's all AI. <laughs> it's just, oh, like, man. Yeah, it's, like, so like, playing into, like, everything you could, um, like, very in the zeitgeist at the moment, stuff like that. Um, very enjoyable. Uh, I quite enjoyed it. It's funny how I'm saying some people might say this episode's the worst of the show. I think they just can't handle the... I, I don't know. Like, it's... Yeah, it's... Maybe I guess it's, it's I guess it's home. maybe yeah. Maybe they're um, on the picket lines, yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, or yeah. So for the, obviously, if you're like a big like AI crypto dude or whatever, or you were into that, yeah, any of that stuff. I feel like this episode's obviously making fun of a lot of that stuff. So, um, yeah, that's that. There's a big cameo towards the end. I don't want to say who it is. That's makes the episode quite funny as well. Um, there's also another thing. Oh, no, I can't even say that's the spoiler. There's also another person in this who's quite funny. But yeah, the show gets that that gets quite um, meta. Uh, talking about other meta stuff, the next episode goes to Lock Henry. Uh, so this one's a take on um, sort of our obsession with true crime things. And I do love myself watching a true crime. On oh, just you wait. <laughs> <laughs> um, so this one is about a couple um, who go to uh, the head home to the, the dude's home, which is uh, Scotland. And they, they come in there to make like a documentary about uh, fucking potatoes. or It's the most like some inconsequential shit ever, right? Um, and then they go and they talk to um, Dylan um, Porterman, aka Podrick from Game of Thrones. Um, and he used to be friends with the main character there. And then he's like talking about, oh, you know, there's this big murder, like happened here ages ago, whatever else. And then the partner, the girl, she's like, oh, we should do it on that. And then the dude, the the main character, the guy didn't want to do it because his dad actually was a police officer and he got shot during that. He didn't die from it, but he was involved. Anyway, this goes into a, this, yeah, as they go deeper and deeper into this one, it becomes like a, okay our obsession like how far were your obsession to make like a very popular true kind documentary and then also us as viewers and what would you find acceptable um and all this sort of stuff i i thought this was very very good as well quite um so far two for two and then they go beyond the sea so this is um again very interesting concept so this one is it's set like in the 60s i think late 60s early 70s um you got aaron paul playing a character and then you got josh harnett playing another character um they are basically on this space station up in yeah, well, in space they're in a space station i they never tell you what the space station is doing it doesn't matter it's not important to the story but what what's happening on earth is that they have like two android bodies and they can hop in machines in the space station between their tasks and they come back down and they basically get to live their um, the human life still while being up on the space station for like a, you know, 10 year, whatever trip that they've got to do up in space. Um, but the show introduces a character very early play, uh, played by Rory Culkin, who's basically playing Marilyn Manson, but in this alternate timeline, it's Marilyn Manson's family Blake's breaks into Josh Harnett's family's house. And he's like, this isn't right. You're a fucking robot sleeping with a real woman. Um, all this sort of stuff. Like, you know, like very like, uh, like starts torturing them, ends up ki- um, destroying Josh Harnett's human. Uh, no, he's a uh, Android body. So now he's stuck up in the, the space station. So then the, the rest of the episode is Aaron Paul's character can still come back and forward 
Josh Hannett's character's up there in space. He's losing his mind. What do we do from there? How do we how do we do this? If he like yeah, it goes in some interesting directions from there. Um, I quite like this one. Really, two good performances again. Uh, we then get to Maisie Day. So this one is all about uh, the fucking paparazzis and shit. So um, Z- uh, Zaz- Zazie Beats plays a. She's not really a like she. You can tell from the outset the, the second you meet her, she's taking some photographs. She doesn't get like a big enjoyment out of this paparazzi thing. She's like not really. There's other characters in this who are like hardcore, like those real dirty, scummy paparazzis. She's doing it because she needs the money and she can. She's like good at it, I guess. Um, you can tell she doesn't like really get off it, but on it. But then there's a character. So you have Maisie Day, uh, and she at the start of the episode, you see her run someone over. Um, when she's like drunk, dry, drink driving, and then she goes sort of into hiding, and then the rest episode is there's like such a big high amount on being able to find a fo- photo of her if you can track down where she is, and then you've got um, Zazie Beats character like tracking her down. Pretty straightforward, I guess, story about like paparazzi and our yeah. I feel like you can see where this one sort of goes to a degree. I mean, there is a twist, but um, it was probably my. It was enjoyable enough, but I would say it's probably my least favorite of the the, the season. Um, and then you had Demon Seventy Nine is the 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 final one. Um, this one gets into very weird territory. So this is uh, I can't remember the actress's name. Fucking Anjani Vasan. Uh, she plays a uh late 70s i think it is she works at a like a retail store she um uh i mean she doesn't she's sort of bullied at work very like sense of racism and stuff like that that's playing around with like subtle racism and i mean like well not even subtle actually i take that back not subtle racism in that she's eating her lunch and then the white lady complains that ooh, can you not eat your smelly food in here like that sort of that sort of uh, stuff we're dealing with. Anyway, she finds um, one night she comes across. I can't remember where she is now, but oh no, yeah, the manager tells her to go eat her stinky food down in the fucking basement. Is like why we end up with this? Uh, <laughs> how we end up in this thing? Yeah, so it's pretty. It's pretty straightforward racism. I take back everything I said. It's straightforward. Racism. <laughs> um, so she get when she's down there though, she um comes across like this little t- uh, sort of it looks like a one of those things you push over that people do a little funny, like the, you know, they do the little things you push them all over and they do the cool things. It's like one of those little dominoes. Domino. Yeah. It looks like a domino. Um, and then a, a demon comes out of it and it's like, Hey, you've like awoken the demon. So what's going to happen is, uh, because you've discovered this, the world will end unless you kill three people. And she's like, I'm going insane, <laughs> which of course she would. But um, then, like the she eventually buys into it or whatever else, and then the, re- the rest of the episode is her trying to sort of pick and choose who she can kill and like how she's going to go about it. And then, of course, as you're watching the episode, it is this whole thing of like maybe she is insane, maybe she's not, maybe the world will end. I don't want to spoil it, but anyway, it's quite fun. The back and forth between her and um the uh what's his name uh papa Azuidu, uh who plays like the the demon who um, i really liked in i may destroy you who's like one of the main characters in that very different to that show in this but quite enjoyed it um i this one's very different from black mirror very sort of different episode but i enjoyed it so i'd say 
I'd say this season overall, it's not like the best season show ever. But again, it's five really different, great. They're, they're basically movies. Like they're long enough. Like they're an hour each, whatever. So they're also different, high production value and everything like that. So many different themes and stuff to to talk about. So I'd say like, yeah, three great episodes, one okay episode, and one like meh. So, fuck mirror. Awesome. Uh, all right. Then you all watched a bunch of true crime shit. <laughs> I was sick uh, last week. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so you watched uh, the second season of Catching Killers. Yeah, I didn't realize the second season came out. I must have missed that. But anyway, apparently a third season's coming out soon. So, um, I can't even remember what the fucking episodes were. To be completely BTK. honest, BTK. PTK. Yeah. So blind, blind murder. No, blind. Whatever. Culture. Anyway, that dude. Um, yeah. The, this show, in case people don't know, Catching Killers, this is the one where they. Um, it's mostly. They have like these sort of high production values speaking to police officers that were involved with them in the in rooms. And actually they're quite paced very well. I like the way the first season was edited and like they didn't feel like it filled it with a bunch of junk and stuff like that. It's pretty like straight down to the facts sort of telling of these these cases, which I, I, I think it's a little bit different than what you sort of used to in true crime, sort of super flayous stuff that you'll get sometimes. Um, I enjoyed it. So the, yeah, so that's the first episode, which is fine. I feel like I've seen that story enough times that um, in other stuff that it wasn't like standout amongst the rest. Episode two, I didn't know anything about this story, but this is a fucking serial killer who goes around just randomly shooting people in Phoenix, just like literally like killing, I don't know, like fucking 14, 20 people or something like that. Um, and how they managed to track down and capture that person was quite interesting. And then the two-part, episode three and part, uh, four was a two-parter, um, but it was deserving of two parts because it starts out as like all these uh, gay men are going missing in uh, Toronto. So this is set in Canada. I was like, well, nothing bad happens in Canada. And this is some fucked up shit that's happening in Canada. Yep. <laughs> so a bunch of uh, gay men are going missing in Toronto. Um, and then it somehow gets involved in a um, story about like cannibalism. And then the main police officer is investigating it, being like, this can't be real. And then there's like all this stuff going on with cannibalism. And then she sort of, by the end of that, spoils for the end of that first episode, she sort of um, it ends up almost like a cold case and then episode two picks up like 10 years later or something like that the the main cop from the first episode is actually retired and then uh, it follows the the other cop who ends up picking up the case when um more men go missing and stuff like that so um overall uh, enjoyed it first episode whatever i've seen that story in a bunch the other th- the other three episodes i didn't know anything about those so. then you watch pervert hunting the strip search caller this one was yeah, fucking weird. So this is a um, this is a dude who was calling up, um, like McDonald's, uh, McDonald's, Wendy's, Hungry Jack's, whatever, like uh, fast food chain restaurants, and saying, "Hey, I'm a police officer. Um, I've got uh, there's a woman that works with you, blonde hair, whatever. Like, would describe someone random and go that uh, I've got reason to believe they've stolen money." And what was, I've got, going to give you two choices and you can give them two choices. Either A, I'm going to come down there and arrest them and I'm going to take them back and we're going to have to look for that money back here at the center. Or if, if you want to save them the embarrassment, you can, um, you can search them. And then he would talk managers and stuff into very slowly, like, oh, just, you know, remove their, their shoes and check those and give them pat down to, I mean, we end up in wild, like, 
he talks people on the phone into uh, into doing sexual acts into these people like stripping completely naked it is absolutely insane like what happens and how many places this was happening at and whatnot it is another one of those things that you you're watching and you're like i don't know how this happened but it fucking did and it's absolutely horrible and it was a thing that happened to many people and they end up taking to actually they end up taking mcdonald's to court some of these people for um uh basically saying like because mcdonald's was such a big target by this dude who was doing it um and one part of the doco is like focusing obviously on capturing that person how they find and capture that person um but then the other part is like well okay so the mcdonald's was like the big target and they these things would happen and they would know about them but they never like put out a company memo of hey if someone rings and says they're a police officer um you know don't believe them straight away maybe ring and check or you know what i mean like some <laughs> like they didn't put any sort of protection up even though they were being targeted so heavily dur- during this time so um yeah really interesting but also fucking really messed up yeah i remember seeing there was that film compliance that i think was based on this the story by craig zobel so uh yeah interesting uh then you watched uh murdoch murders a southern scandal Scandal. It's about the lawyer with the son. Oh, yeah. That's one you watch, right? Yeah. yeah. Yes. Yeah. This is, yeah, again, this, this is another, yeah, fucked up. Hey, the <laughs> white, white, white people with money. Yep. Shit went bad. <laughs> I got not much. I mean, yeah. So you, Ash talked about this one a couple weeks back or a month or so ago, whenever it came out. Um, yeah, it's it's just this super rich family, and they're all terrible people, and they do a bunch of terrible things, and a bunch of people die, and their lives are affected, and it's all because this fucking super rich family of lawyers. They had sons, and they thought they could do whatever they want, and then they had sons, and they thought they could do whatever they want, and then um, eventually the buck stopped with someone and uh look at them now i don't want to spoil it but yep. <laughs> it's not good no uh and then you watch crime scene the texas killing fields yeah uh, this one was interesting so yeah texas killing fields a uh, bunch of crimes that may or may not be connected um is the is the question all these bodies keep getting fine um, found in this like what, what's called the they end up like being dubbed the texas killing fields massive field that sort of nothing happens there like a sort of overgrown what could be a park i guess um bodies kept getting found there for years and years and years and um it goes into like the investigation into different people um that some get charged some don't you know some die some of these yeah it's it's just sort of it's it's interesting because at the end of it all you you start to realize like okay yeah they like they weren't all actually the same person but some of them were the same person but how the fuck did like so many people be dying in this one area and being dumped all these different it's not like these people were sitting down having like a a killer's meeting and agreeing to dump the body there it's just like like how like they just all these people just like so happen to be dumping the body in the same place yeah. and is it it's i mean there's some nasty characters in this obviously with any subject matter but yeah i found this one interesting to watch as well what was that three episodes i think so 
All right, that's everything. Now watch this tree. Let's move into some film news. And this week, we're going to do this week's top three. Definitely in the top three. Yeah, so this week's top three is top three interesting things from Tadam 2023. So, of course, Netflix held their big uh, global event over in Brazil uh, on the weekend. Uh, so, yeah, we're going to go through... What happened there? But let's kick it off with our top three. So, Dylan, what's your number three? My number three is the Archies. The Archies. It's a it's a Bollywood Archie comic adaptation, <laughs> right? Is that not that? Yeah, it's an Indian ad- Indian adaptation of the Archie comics. A lot of dancing, a lot of music. Um, it's set time period. Uh, 1960s 1960s i thought it looked pretty cool um it'll probably go for four hours but you know (laughs) (laughs) um but yeah i thought this looked really um interesting as you know like the costumes and everything and then the music and uh, yeah i I thought i I thought this looked interesting so yeah I, i definitely looked pretty cool like um especially when it first came on screen and like oh this is weird like is this it because I watched through the presentation, I'm like, oh, is this a Riverdale thing? Mm. Are they doing a movie or something? Nope, completely different, completely unrelated. Um, yeah, apparently Archie's comics are like a big deal in India. So uh, smart choice, I guess. It's, it's just, yeah, definitely an interesting use of the IP and that kind of stuff. So um, yeah, I'm interested to check this out. So that one, I think, is coming later this year. Uh, or early 2024. Uh, my number three, they clone Tyrone. So this is the latest film uh, from John Boyega, uh, also starring uh, Jamie Fox and uh, Tiana Paris, uh, in which there's a giant government conspiracy and they're cloning people. It's, it's only the black people, coincidentally. Um, yeah, really cool trailer they put out. Um, I would give it two thumbs up. Um, and yeah, it's not far away, I believe. July. 21st of July. So, yeah. Um, spoilers, this was my number one. Okay. So, I'll just jump ahead to that. I thought yep. this looked really, really cool. The the setting, the like the sort of, I guess, the, the 80s. Um, Jamie Foxx playing, like, I, I feel like the most stereotypical 80s pimp you could probably yep. describe um it was great he has that one line at the end where he's like knocks on the, the door or whatever he'd be so kind to show us to where the secret door is to the <laughs> elevator <laughs> yeah elevator um i thought it was like a great um john Boyega looks fantastic in this as well um tiana paris yeah paris, uh she again all, all three of the main cast members i thought just looked phenomenal the movie just looks to have such a, a style and su- a substance to it um mm-hmm. fucking just as an idea it's so weird um and you'll be like what's the point of this movie but obviously there's an underlying sort of sensibility to its um sort of uh, i think setting it in that time too in the 80s like uh, i feel like mm-hmm. post-war like experimentation on um young black men and like the idea of that i think is like super yep. interesting and fits in well to something like this that could be viewed i guess as a dark comedy and i mean uh, i'm very very intrigued to, to watch this one all right 
my number two then uh, was the three body problems. Of course, this is the new uh, Netflix series uh, being spearheaded by the creators of Game of Thrones, uh, DB DB Weiss, Deb Benioff. Um, it's kind of a weird premise. So, uh, reading here. Yi Wenji is a astrophysicist who saw her father brutally murdered during the Chinese Cultural Revolution. After her father's murder, she is later conscripted because of her scientific background and sent to a secret radar base in a remote region of China. Her faithful decisions in the 1960s echo across space and time to a group of scientists in the present day, forcing them to face humanity's greatest threat. So it's based on a trilogy of books uh, by a Chinese writer, uh, yeah, it looks like crazy sci-fi. Really interesting moments and visuals in this trailer they released. Um, yeah, it definitely has me interested. So this is coming to uh, Netflix early 2024, I want to say, off the top of my head. Yeah, January 2024. Uh, Dylan, what was your number two? My number two was All the Light We Cannot See. Um, new series, miniseries, I guess, coming to yeah, Netflix, obviously. Uh, directed by Sean Levy, um, co-created with him and Stephen Knight. So Stephen Knight, obviously, I feel like is like sort of the king of adaptation. So there's like a, uh, really scripts-wise um, and development. So there has a lot going for it. But yeah, it just looks really interesting. You've got this um, story of, a, I guess, star-crossed lovers being trapped um, in, I can't remember, Berlin or wherever the fuck I'd say um like world war ii uh the main actor lewis hoffman is the main actor from dark so shout outs that's gonna grab my attention straight away as soon as i watch the trailer um yeah like the setting and story and everything like that i thought looked um um looked really really cool and interesting so and just knowing it's like a four episode sort of thing and not a like oh let's drag it out for 16 seasons uh yeah had me intrigued so came for this one yeah that looked really great um yeah, it, it, watching the presentation is weird that they came out and like were talking to the audience, and uh, they were very hyped for this project that I'm sure nobody had heard of before. But um, it's based on a book uh, the, or whatever. I guess. It's based on a book. Uh, the girl, uh, this is first acting role apparently, and like she's a super fan of the book as well. So very nice moments. So yeah, this is coming to Netflix on the second November. My number one. One Piece. I thought it looked good. Of course, based on the uh, acclaim. You, you and who else? <laughs> <laughs> I think, yeah, it's definitely split. Uh, there's definitely a minority that are enjoying elements of it. Um, but of course, based on the beloved manga and with the anime series, it is thousands of episodes long. Um, yeah, I think, you know, from what little I've seen of One Piece, I think they've done a really solid job of bringing it to live action. Of course, it is not going to be the anime. It is not going to be 100% the manga. Uh, they do have the original creator heavily involved, which I think is a positive. I feel like uh, it's a really solid cast. Uh, I watched the reaction of the cast watching the trailer, and they're super emotional about it, which got me super invested. Um, yeah, it definitely, I think, yeah, there's a lot of elements that are very true to the the look and style of the manga and that kind of stuff, but obviously stuff that doesn't translate to live action as well. Um, yeah, it's just going to be a wait and see. I'm very fingers crossed that this is actually going to be a enjoyable enough adaptation. 
of the manga, you know. Uh, but yeah, obviously people not happy about it <laughs> as well. Uh, much in the because you know it's an unproven, unproven track record of adapting manga prop or anime to live action. At least this the shonen like this type of manga, you know, to live action. So yeah, that that was my number one. Uh, Dylan, anything else from Todam that kind of caught your eye? I gotta be honest, not really. Yeah, no. I thought it was pretty lackluster. I mean, I feel like it was clearly fairly targeted. <laughs> um, lost the trailers for a lot. It's it this this kind of showcase that you know, it, Netflix is a global company making global content. There's like a bunch of foreign language projects that even I hadn't heard of. <laughs> uh, they got trailers and they've been running for several seasons like that elite show that's like seven seasons long that's freaking crazy um especially when we complain everybody on the west complains about them canceling everything um yeah that that show's running forever um you know like even like through three body problems like very diverse cast um uh i think the problem is that most of big stuff they show trailers for just shows i don't care about yeah. You didn't enjoy the, the opening minute and a half of Heartstopper season two? Didn't even watch it. No? Just gonna wait. Okay. Just gonna wait. Um, Scrolled through your article, went ex- saw an exclusive clip and went Don't care. Okay, okay. Um Yeah. I mean they opened the they did open the show, Extraction Three is coming apparently. Uh yeah, I watched, like the, I watched like the first half hour, 45 minutes of the actual thing. It's just wild seeing all those people cheering with their phones out and everything. And Liam Hemsworth just... I'm oh, sorry, Chris Hemsworth. Chris. Chris Hemsworth just walking out. And I forget... Uh, just me. Hello, fucking... Where were we? Brazil? Fuck. It just where occurred we? to me that obviously Chris Hemsworth very in with Netflix and that's why Liam's in the Witcher. Probably. <laughs> uh... But yeah, I mean, the actual. It was crazy when they brought Henry Cavill out on stage and they literally like sacrificed him. That was wild. (laughs) They did not. It was very nice, wholesome. (laughs) Like, hey, we know you're leaving the show. Do you want to say anything? He's like super thankful and that kind of stuff. Um, but yeah, crazy. It was like three hours long, and it's like full on crowd, like it's a music festival. Mm. Uh, I would be bored (laughs) shitless. I would want to sit down. Um. Yeah, it's obviously kind of star-studded, I guess. Like, they had Chris Hensworth there. They brought out Arnold Schwarzenegger. Uh, the big closer was uh, a movie called uh, Heart of Stone. Yeah. In which Gal Gadot plays a character called Rachel Stone, and the MacGuffin is called The Heart. Look like literally any other random Netflix movie that comes I out. I mean, it looked like... Uh, Netflix's answer to Citadel. <laughs> like, oh, you Russo's? You're doing some crazy spy thing over at Prime Video? We can do a crazy spy thing with famous people. Um, but yeah, like, clearly that's ambitions of, like, being the next, like, Mission Impossible kind of thing. But I uh, don't know if they're going to quite hit that heights. What did you think of what we saw of uh, Rebel Moon? I didn't actually watch the interview, but we could I watched that. The yeah, I watched that. I, um, I'm very keen for this. 
Um, obviously, Zack Snyder can be very hit and miss, but the dude does have a um, a visual brain, and this is his like his universe like obviously there's mm-hmm. a lot of influences from different things am- amongst it all but yeah seeing the behind the scenes with these massive sets and stuff that he's that they've made netflix has just thrown all the fucking mad money at him for this so um they need it to be a success i feel um uh the the behind the scenes stuff where you've got actors talking about they've never been on a movie this big and uh you know like all this sort of stuff like sort of adds hype to it i guess and whatever else i just need more i need like a proper trailer because the, the teaser trailer was like whatever and this behind the scenes thing was actually getting me a little bit more hype for it but i, I just I, I just i need a good give look, me a proper you know? look give me a proper look you know yep um they show they brought out the cast of avatar the last airbender and then they didn't show any footage they just showed still images mm. uh which i i haven't seen i actually haven't seen any reaction to that because I feel like it was completely drained out by the the One Piece reaction. It was, yeah. uh, <laughs> so, um, and then Squid Game too. It's still, it's definitely coming. They announced cast members. Uh, they were like, "It's a thing." These people are in it, and I said, "Cool, cool." I don't know who any of these people are, but uh, yeah, I'm, I'm not saying that in a like, bad way. Like, I'm sure they're big like, names, but like, as far as like a, a trailer to announce a trailer, well, not even like a trailer to announce something that I already knew was a thing. I'm like, cool, you got nothing. <laughs> you have nothing to show like it's fine and, and, yeah, that and then stage, they showed a teaser for the the sweet game the challenge show that's coming out later which i skipped year. ahead because that makes me very that whole show makes me feel very uncomfortable yeah it's uh the middle finger to mr beast am i right so yeah yeah to dumb check out my article if you want to just skip through what looks interesting yeah i guess quickly touch on the bo- weekend box office uh so over on Box Office Mojo, apparently The Flash, the multi-hundred million dollar movie, only made $55.1 million in the American box office. Uh, and also Elemental, the latest Pixar film, brought in $29.5 million. Dylan, what was your reaction to those numbers? <laughs> Not good. Uh, neither particularly surprised me. Disney movies have been going weirdly bad at the cinema for like what the last year or so i feel like since the pandemic started yeah so everyone just waits for disney plus now everyone's sort of got uh, i feel like families too who've got um who are like the biggest audience for those films they've got accustomed to i'll just wait like a month and then i'll pay the 30 bucks and just watch on disney plus like i'll wait for that early release and i'll pay that money and i can just watch it at home and I have to take the kids out to the cinema. I think everyone's got used to that. So they sort of fucked themselves there. Um, the Flash doing terribly, I don't think is a surprise at all. I don't think it's all to do with Ezra. Um, they are a standout sore thumb from that project. However, I think it is also another big combination of um, people just don't give a fuck. People don't give a fuck. People are sick of DC. People are sick of that universe. People are sort of very picky on even what superhero movies they care about these days. We've seen that with the money Marvel movies been making. Like people are becoming a bit more like mm, I don't really care so much. And I think uh, yeah, the Flash is just one that I, I, I um, yeah, none of that surprised me to be completely honest. The fucking thing that gets me right. So talking about cinemas, I just put this out there. I thought I had last night. Is so Extraction Two Extraction Two came out last Thursday, right? I've not yep. watched Extraction One. I've not watched Extraction Two. I watched the trailer for Extraction Two. I go, if this movie was in cinemas, I would have watched it by now. 
If the first movie went to cinemas, I would have watched it by now. But the fact they went straight to Netflix, I'm like, eh, I'll get to it. Like, but I watched those trailers and I go, the fact that I can't, I never had a chance to watch this big epic action movie on a, on the big screen, to me, guys, eh, it actually makes me watch it later, like years later. <laughs> Whereas, uh, yeah, if we'd gone to cinema, I would have been like fucking all about it. So, I don't know, it's really weird. I'm like seeing these movies file at cinema and then the movies I want to actually watch in the cinema not come to the cinema. Yep. <laughs> it's a weird time it's, to be alive. It's a rough place. And then the the reviews came out this morning for Mission Impossible. I'm like, thank God that's going to the cinema. Thank God for Tom Cruise. You know what I mean? Weird dude, weird motherfucking dude. You know, his Scientology, but he's keeping cinema alive. <laughs> Is he though? He's one of the people keeping cinema alive. I mean, trying to anyway. Let's have a quick. Uh, Top Gun made do, a lot of money. Think- so. Yeah, but Mission Impossible has not historically made a ton of money. I think it'll make it. I think it'll make a lot of money. Okay. I'm going on the side of Mission Impossible makes a lot of money. I think yeah, they'll market I- it. I think they'll market it well, and I think they'll push it. And I think Tom Cruise is basically as like being a producer on that. He's going to make sure it's marketed well and everything. And like he's heavily involved with that. And I think that after Top Gun and people like, and if they've marketed as they like, Hey, did you fucking like Top Gun? Did you like watching that at the cinema? That was pretty epic. Hey, Mission Impossible is the same fucking like production team and people come watch our movie. You know, I feel like if they market it enough, people go watch it. Yeah, potentially. I mean, it's just, it's yeah. Just crazy. The numbers do. Admittedly, the flash made 138 million worldwide. Uh, still, not the best opening so far this year. Um, Elemental, unsurprising. I feel like if you weren't into film news, I don't think you really saw it anywhere. I might. Like, I don't, I don't see a lot of advertising. Ticket. So I know I said last uh, week I was going to watch it, but then I got sick, so I actually had to refund yeah, my ticket. Same, so there so, we go. So um, hopefully this week, but uh, because I'm I'm still very keen to watch it because. Um, yeah, it's just uh, the, on the Disney animation front. Yeah, they definitely painted themselves into a corner with them releasing them so quickly on Disney Plus. We saw like, but then they kind of blow up once they do. Uh, but it definitely feels like Pixar is definitely in a dire situation. I'm, I'm concerned about the future of Pixar. Um, like on the back of Lightyear, they had a bunch of cuts. This movie comes out, doesn't do the numbers that they were hoping. Um, you know? I'm going to tell you right now, these if Pixar dies, what will happen is we're going to have a narrative where people are sitting around and you're going to see people online all fucking talking about how, man, Pixar died. That's crazy. How'd that happen? We really miss their movies. And the answer's going to be because no one watched them anymore. And those fucking people are going to complain about it, even though they didn't go to the cinema. That's fucking... Why didn't they go to the cinema? It's because they put them on Disney+. Plus. They fucked Pixar like three movies in a row. Uh, so people decided they don't need to go to the cinema anymore. And that's really the only way that they could make money on these sort of movies, uh, on for the the scale that those Pixar movies take to make. Yeah, it's wild. All right. Uh, last story for this week: the Logies announced all the nominees. Um, not going to go into it too much because we hate Australian television. No. Um, no, I watched a lot of Australian television. 
that are on yeah, streaming none services. of his nominations. <laughs> <laughs> none of the the none of the series that we've this year's series, I don't think. I got sent the last two episodes of Deadlock, by the way. So I've watched that whole yeah, show. Yeah, I now. saw that. Yeah, very good. I still higher because what? Uh, quick look, most outs because they got the most popular and then they got the most outstanding, most outstanding drama series. Black Snow from Stan, Five Bedrooms from Paramount Plus, In Our Blood from the ABC, Mystery Road Origin from the ABC, Significant Others from the ABC, and The Twelve from Foxtel and Bitch. Did you watch any of those? Yeah, I watched Black Snow. I think that was it. Yep. Yep. So. <laughs> uh, but yeah, the Gold Logo nominees this year, Hamish Blake from Lego Masters. Shout out. Uh, that's a show. Julia- yeah, that's true. Julia Morris from I'm a Celebrity, Get Me Out of Here and Taskmaster. Uh, Lee Sales gets nominated for the 7.30 report. Outgoing. Uh, one of those ones. Uh, Mark Colesmith from Mystery Road Origins. Osh Ginsberg for The Bachelor Australia and Mars Singer Australia. Sean McAuliffe. Sean McAuliffe's Mad as Hell. Sonia Kruger for The Voice, Dancing with the Stars and Big Brother. So, yeah. If you're into Logies, who who's your pick? Hamish Blake. Okay. So show I've watched. <laughs> trying to who won the last one? Well, Hamish won it before already, so. Uh yeah, he did win the last year, so. Okay. Probably again, you know. He's a funny man on that show. So he's a he is a funny man crazy that it's the first one yeah weird all right uh let's just give, give some thumbs to trailers of course you can find all the trailers that we're about to talk about this week in the show notes below kick things off with uh, uh speak of animated films namona uh directed by nick bruno and troy quain starring chloe grace Moretz, riz ahmed and eugene lee yang Nimona, a teenager with the power to shapeshift, is targeted by a knight for assassination. The knight's commission to kill Nimona becomes complicated when he is accused of a crime and learns that Nimona may be able to exonerate him. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Nimona? I'm going to go one up, one down. I like the world. I like the story. I like the general setup. I think there's some funny gags to be had with the animals and stuff throughout it. I don't love the animation style. Really? Yeah. I, I just want, yeah, I don't know. It just very, it looks very basic to me. Okay. This is two thumbs up from me. I think it looks very good. I think animation-wise, it, it definitely has its own look. Uh, obviously, based on a gra- graphic novel, it doesn't look like that novel because I think I think it's very liney from, like, it's not uh, as coloured in as this is. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I'm, I enjoyed the story. I think the shape-shifting looks really cool. Um, yeah really happy this is actually getting released because i think it was a disney and it got cancelled from memory i believe um but got picked up mercifully so yeah this is coming to netflix on the 30th of june so not long to wait next trailer landscape with invisible hand directed by Corey finley starring asante black kylie rogers tiffany haddish josh hamilton and william jackson harper in a new future in which an alien species known as the Vuv 
have taken over Earth. An aspiring teenage artist and his girlfriend hatch up a scheme to make money by broadcasting their dating life to the fascinating aliens in the wake of the Vuv's labor-saving technology. But the two teens slowly come to hate each other and can't break up without bankrupting their families. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Landscape with Invisible Hands? Uh, double thumbs up. Looks absolutely wild and fantastic, and I can't wait to watch it. Yeah, this is two thumbs up from me. This is one of the. This is definitely one of those great trailers where you. I didn't you know anything watching. about this, and you didn't know a, anything, yeah. and yeah. you're like, "What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck? Yeah. What the fuck?" Yeah, it gets where it gets weirder and weirder. Like they suddenly have stuff on their face, and you're like, "What's going on?" And then they're like, "Oh, you're like they're so live streaming, they're broadcasting." Yeah, yeah and then they're like, "Who are they broadcasting to?" And then suddenly there's like an alien ship going across the sky or whatever. And next section you see what the aliens look like. And you're like, "They're weird looking dudes." <laughs> they're like not really any aliens you've seen before. They, they look like asses, really. I mean, <laughs> <laughs> yeah, they look like uh, the character from Preacher. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, except smaller, yeah. you know. Uh, yeah, really fascinating. Uh, Corey Finley did uh, Thoroughbreds and Bad Education, two movies I really like. Uh, but this is completely different and completely wild. <laughs> and like, <Yep>. what? <laughs> just, just crazy. So yeah. Uh, so this one's coming to American cinemas on the eighteenth of August. No Australian release date. Right, right. Uh, next trailer is for Cobweb, directed by Samuel Bowden, starring Lizzie Kaplan, Norman Woody, nope, Woody Norman, Cleopatra Coleman, and Anthony Starr. Young Peter is plagued by a mysterious constant noise from inside his bedroom wall, a tapping that his parents insisted is his imagination. As his fear intensifies, he starts to believe that his parents are hiding a terrible and dangerous secret. Dylan, what do you think of Cobweb? Uh, double thumbs up. I really, really think this looks great. Uh, not based on anything original, uh, original story and everything. It looks really unique. Um, I don't. I, yeah, I don't know. It's. Uh, I don't. I can't. I was trying to say. That I guess what what's going on, but yeah, it's to, some big family secret. Obviously, there, there's something going on there. The the mum and dad are actually the bad guys, and, and it's not something else. Something else. They don't kind of... say it, but this is based on that uh, Simpsons Treehouse of Horrors where there's uh, Bart's evil twin is living in the basement or in the attic. Could be. That's what this is. Could be. <laughs> uh, yeah, I think I'll give it two thumbs up as well. It's a horror movie that I'm not going to watch, but uh, really, really well cut together trailer. Like, um, yeah, like the intensity... Uh, of Lizzie Kaplan and Anthony Starr's like facial expressions is like the, yeah, I the mean, trailer Anthony Starr just like... looks like an evil motherfucker the entire trailer. So, yeah, well, you know, he's kind of been <laughs> painted yeah. as, as that kind of, but uh, yeah, Lizzie Kaplan. I mean, she look definitely gets crazier as the the thing goes on. Um, so yeah, Cobweb releasing twenty first of July in the states. No Australian release date. Shout outs to uh, Anthony Starr, Kiwi, and then Cleopatra Coleman, Australian. So, yeah, good. Uh, next trailer is for Shortcomings, directed by Randall Park, starring Justin Hachman, Sherry Collar, Ali Mackey, Debbie Ryan, Tavi Jevonson, Sonoya Mizuno, Jacob Badalan, and Timothy Simmons. Ben, a struggling filmmaker, lives in Berkeley, California with his girlfriend, Miko, who works at a local Asian-American film festival. 
When he's not managing an art house movie theater as his day job, Ben spends his time obsessing over unavailable blonde women, watching Criterion Collection DVDs, and eating at diners with his best friend Alice, a queer grad student with a serial dating habit. When Miko moves to New York for an internship, Ben is left to his own devices and begins to explore what he thinks he might want. Dylan, what did you think of the trailer for Shortcomings? Uh, I'll go one up, one down on this one. It was fine. It sort of falls into that same category I think of just like big New York City sort of like the struggles of the, like it's I know it's like all Asian cast but like it still just feels like such a story I've seen done so many times before like or uh, equivalent one to that I, I don't I didn't I didn't feel like there was a, a unique spin on it it feels like this yeah I know I'll go one up one down this one this is two thumbs up for me this is just my jam indie movie asian cast like <laughs> uh character being an asshole it feels like uh an element of like like justin h min's character feels like his early mark zuckerberg like trying to explain why uh this relationship is not working i got vibes of that um but yeah other than that lots of lots of interesting elements uh, i think uh even though it's like kind of like you said a story we've kind of seen told before uh but yeah i i i dug the vibe so it's two thumbs up for me this is releasing in the u.s cinemas on the 4th of august no australian real estate wow wow last trailer for this week craven the hunter directed by jc chandor starring aaron taylor johnson uh ariana dubois russell crowe fred heishinger and alessandro Navola. russian immigrant sergey kravinov is on a mission to prove that he is the greatest hunter in the world. Dylan, what do you think of the trailer for Craven the Hunter? Uh, I'm going to double thumbs down. Look boring as fuck. And Russell Crowe is doing a terrible accent, and I'm sick of it. Dylan, how will you know he's acting if he's not putting on an accent? I'm Russian. Uh, Craven the Hunter. Uh, I'm your father. <laughs> Get out of here. I'm sick of it, Russell Crowe. Stop it. Every fucking movie now. Yeah. I mean, look. No, actually, I got nothing. Never mind. Al- Al- Alessandro Navoli's in this as the Rhino. That's about the cool, the coolest thing I got for him. Ariana DeBose is in this movie. I don't know if she was in this trailer, but I know she's in the movie. Yeah, she's in Is the trailer it? several oh, times. Fucking, I already forgot. In, in one ear, out the other. It looked bad to me. I don't care. Uh, this one up, one down for me. I think it looks solid. Um, looks violent. It, you know, clearly they've done the R-rated thing. Aaron Taylor Johnson looks buff. <laughs> uh, I'm on board with Russell Crowe's multi-accent era. Uh everyone's going to forget he's Australian that's that's what he's going for uh, <laughs> he's a Kiwi <laughs> or is he um, yeah I think it looks fine you know if it, as long as it can be better than what's his face Morbius you know it'll be good the bar is low Sony. the bar is low so um yeah all right so this one actually does have australian release date it's got australian cinemas on the 5th of october so look forward to seeing us there during packs watching craven excited 
Uh, all right, Dylan, this week, what do you want to watch? What do I want to watch this week? I mean, honestly, I'm a little, I'm a little lost. <laughs> um, I don't really have a movie. I don't really have a movie I care about, to be honest. Am I missing something? Sorry. Uh, I want to see No Hard Feelings, starring Jennifer Lawrence. Uh, I do curiously want to go see Transformers. Cool. All right, so I'm going to skip the movie this week and say I don't Also, really the movie care. I missed Elemental last week. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, I can't go back, so... Um, I'm going to say my pick for this week is... Uh, I, I'll just pick two TV shows instead. There you go. So I'll go, okay. I'm a Virgo and um, Secret Invasion. i got two TV shows this week. All right, yeah. Uh, yeah, I'm definitely keen for Secret Invasion, which we'll be talking about over on All New Marvel Cast uh, on Wednesdays sometime at night. <laughs> uh, but also Class of 09 is starting on Disney Plus. That looks really good. Uh, starring Brian T. Ray Henry and Kate Mara. Uh, yeah. Let's know what you want to watch this week by going to explosion.com slash Twitter or jump into Discord at explosion.com slash Discord. Uh, if you want to help us out here at What Do You Want to Watch, leave us a review on Apple Podcasts or on Podchaser. Tell people about the show. Leave us five stars, any Quinn, leave five stars, or just tell people about the show. And if you've enjoyed this episode, thought it was worth a dollar, head on over to our Kofi page, explosion.com slash support. Thank you very much for listening. Until next time, keep watching stuff, I guess.